Hope that you're uh, having a good weekend, and uh, yeah, hope you heard we got some good weather out there, so that's, that's nice. Well, if you're a guest here with us today, I too just want to say welcome to you, and uh, we're so glad that you could be here with us and, and pray that God really just meets you in this place today. Well, I want to quickly bring you up to speed on where we are in the series that Brad has mentioned that we're in. We're about halfway through a 13-week series that's taking us uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, this uh, series, as Brad said, is called The King Speaks, and in this particular series, we're looking at the words that Jesus spoke, and, and as he's speaking to this audience of, of mixed people, some were his disciples, people that were very close to him, while others were maybe kind of seekers, people who were just kind of showing up and going, wow, this guy teaches with authority, and, and we just want to know more. But the words that Jesus was talking about, the words that he was speaking in this famous address, the Sermon on the Mount, He was giving them a good picture of this, of what it was like, what it could be like. It's the same thing for us today, what it's like to live underneath the leadership of Jesus Christ. He was talking to them about what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? What does it mean to live fully? Who doesn't want that? What does it mean to to live freely in Christ? He was giving them a portrait as he talks through the Sermon on the Mount of what it means to do life with Jesus Christ. And as we've seen um, throughout this particular series, Jesus goes right to the heart, doesn't he? Jesus doesn't mess around with things that don't matter, but Jesus goes straight to things that are of huge significance. Um, He goes straight to matters of the heart. He paints that picture for us. What does it mean to do life with the God of the universe? Uh, today, as we come to the next topic, you're going to find, as I have all week long, that this is another one that has a lot of application, uh, direct application right into our lives. And so I want us to begin this morning just by going to the Lord in prayer. And, and the reason why I want us to pray before we open up His Word is because we see a pattern really throughout the Scriptures that when people humble themselves, when, when they come before God, whether you're caught up in, in major sin issues or whether you'd say, well, I'm walking in victory in the grace of God, What we know is this, throughout the scriptures, when people humble themselves and they approach God and they say, Lord, I want to seek you out, we know that God responds to that. And so we just kind of out of a, 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 you know, an act of of wisdom even, we just want to humbly go to God and say, Lord, we need you this morning and uh, we pray that you would speak to us. I think of Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 that we've already looked at it. It says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it says they will be filled And so this morning, let's go to the Lord and say, Lord, we hunger. Lord, we want to be the kind of people that we thirst for righteousness. And we know, Lord, then you will fill us up. And so would you pray with me and and, um, and let's just ask the Lord. Lord, we come to you and um, Lord, I thank you that you are the kind of God, Lord, that you know us by name today. You know everybody who's here. And uh, Lord, I thank you as well that you know the joys that some people have experienced in the last seven days. But Lord, you're also not absent-minded of this the major challenges that others have faced. And Lord, I thank you that you show up. I thank you, Lord, that when we humble ourselves and when we seek you, you respond. And so, Lord, we just want to say as God's people this morning, we want to hunger and we want to thirst for you. We want you to be our desire, Lord. And so would you even just have a conversation right now um, with the Lord and maybe just say, Lord, my heart is open to you. Lord, would you speak to me? God, don't let me just, just kind of sit here today. Lord, Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, would you do something inside of me? So go ahead, have that conversation with the Lord. Lord, would you do something inside of me today?
Lord, we love you, and um, Lord, I just, I ask, Lord, that the words in my mouth and the things that I would say, Lord, would be pleasing in your sight, Lord. I pray that I would communicate your word this morning with, with truth and, and with clarity, and, and uh, yeah, I just pray, Lord, that you would really guide that process, Lord. So we love you, and uh, we thank you, Lord, that you meet us in this place. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, after returning from vacation just the night before, I, I came to the church building to meet with uh, a men's life group before church services began, and, and one of the guys quickly asked me, he said, hey, how was your vacation? And we had been out in Colorado, and so I, I began to tell him about the, the, I told the group about the different things that we had done together on vacation, and, and then it kind of, I ended by saying, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this particular trip was I was listening to this audio book, and so in the mornings I would get up and go for a jog on kind of this back roads, mountain trail. It was, it was awesome. But I was listening to this book as I was doing it, and so I was working through this book, and, and by the time that the vacation was over, I was through the book, and, and I found this book to be so interesting. I was telling the guys, I was like, this book was so motivating. It was inspiring on multiple fronts. This was a leadership book that was written by a, a football coach, and, and I didn't know much about this guy before going into this vacation, but I'll tell you what, I came home a fan. I was, I was like, well, you guys got to read this book. It's awesome. But as I was sharing, one of the guys got this kind of funny grin on his face, and, and then the guy across from him got a funny grin on his face too, and, and I was like, what's wrong? I got food in my face? What? You know, and I said, what, what's up? And, and they said, well... Did you have access to the news while you were on vacation? And I said, no, we were in a remote place. We didn't have anything. We were just at a cabin. And no, we, we didn't. And they just kind of chuckled, and they said, wow, well, we're sorry to say, but starting the day that you left, that football coach and that team have been the center of the news. A huge scandal has unfolded. And I said, well, what do you mean? Are you sure? I mean, it can't be true. I mean, I, I was bought into this guy's integrity, and I just I loved his message. I was fired up. I didn't really believe these guys. Well, sure enough, um, this guy had not been um, truthful with his, with his words, and, and things came out, and though it was denied at first, uh, it came out, and, and he had uh, done things that he said he hadn't done, but he, he really had, and, and his integrity was, it was tarnished. His words didn't match up with his actions, and, and I was kind of blown away by it. I mean, I was thinking, come on. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced the disappointment when Somebody's words don't match up with their actions. A person of integrity is someone whose words are trustworthy. Someone whose words paint an accurate picture of what their actions will be. Just think about how the integrity of people's words impacts literally all areas of our society. Think about business in, in general. Think about our commerce system. You provide a quality good. You provide a quality service. And in return... What do, what's expected? A, a, fair, a fair payment. There's integrity there. Uh, think about the banking industry. A bank, they give you their word. If you pay us interest and you pay us principal and interest, principal, you know, kind of what you owe, but also some interest just for the privilege of having cash on hand, we'll give you cash on hand. You do your part, we'll do our part. A person goes off to the military. What do they do? They take an oath. And we honor them because they take a big oath. And what do they do? They deliver on that oath. Think about this. You go off to college. You pay your tuition. You, you sign the dotted line. You, you pay tuition. But what do you expect? You expect in return. What will there be? There will be quality education, quality instruction. Two people get married. 
This happened on this stage just last night. Two people get married. They stand before God. They say, before God and these witnesses, they take an oath. I commit to you. I'm committed to you till death do us part. They, they take an oath. Think about our court system. Our court system exists because people lack integrity, because people act unethically, without integrity. Think about doctors and educators. They give their word. They say this, we will provide uh, the best care that we possibly can. We'll provide the best education that we possibly can. It's hard not to think about politics right now. Think about all that is at stake with someone's words. But let me ask you this. How many times have you seen this go south? How many times have you been deeply hurt because someone said one thing, but they didn't keep their word? They lacked integrity. You heard them say one thing, but they did something else. And maybe you said to yourself, why can't he just keep his word? I mean, why can't she just follow through with the promises that she's made? Well, if, if they say they're going to show up, why can't they show up? If they promise that they're going to do the job this way, why did they do it that way? Why did they cut a corner? Integrity is a huge issue. Maybe you've gotten to the point where you've just kind of given up on it and you said no one can be trusted. In the good old days, we could do things with a handshake and that was it. But it's not the case anymore. Personally, have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? Would people say of you, would they say of me, that our actions deliver on the words that we speak? On Monday morning, Christine and I were having a, a lively debate. That's a pastoral code for saying we were having an argument or a fight. And in the midst of this lovely exchange, we were getting the kids ready for school, and our seven-year-old was kind of on the other side of the doorway, and, and I said to him, I said, Aiden, are you ready for school? We're about to go. And he stopped there, and, you know, probably five feet from me, and he just looked at me with a lot of disappointment on his face, and, and he said, Dad, he said, Dad, how could you teach about marriage yesterday, and today you're arguing with Mom? Since we sold him on eBay later that day, we've really, we've really missed him. Yeah. Just kidding. But I'll tell you what, what a humbling moment. I will replay the look on his face for a long time. I can hear the, I, they, it bothered me all day. It still bothers me, right? Think about this. Even a young child, can, they can see it quickly. They can sense when our actions don't match up with our words. As Jesus spoke to this crowd of people, they no doubt felt the challenge to be people of their word, to be the kind of people that their words would match up with their actions. And they had been approaching this whole subject in one way, but we're going to see in the text, Jesus says, no, no, I want you to look at it in this way. I want you to see this in a completely different light. So he says to them in Matthew 5, he says, you have heard that it has been said, don't break your oaths. Do not break your oath. Keep, keep the oath that you have made unto the Lord. But then he goes on and he says, and this is the last verse of where we'll go this morning. He says, but I say to you, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Simple. If you're taking notes this morning, this is our main point. You might jot this down. Very simply, here it is. Your integrity is built on the foundation of your words. Your integrity is built on the foundation of your words. Okay, I want you to repeat that after me, nice and loud, like, like you're excited, all right? Here we go. Your integrity is built 
on the foundation of your words. Yeah, your integrity is built on the foundation of your words. If you're a visual learner, you can think of it like this. It's pretty high-tech artwork you'll get today. All right, your integrity. Your integrity is built on the foundation of your words. So here's how this plays out. If your words are strong, meaning like if you make a promise but you follow through, your integrity is strong. But here's the deal. If you have cracks in your words, like, oh, yeah, I'll be there, but you're not there. I'll be there at 9, but you're there at 9.30. If you have trouble with your words, keeping your promises, you have cracks in your words, you ultimately have cracks in your integrity. Think about it um, in, in this way as, as well. It's, it's really important to know that as we think about how this applies to our life, it's important to know what was happening in, in their culture. Because in Jewish culture, it was very common for people to take oaths, to make promises to each other. And here's what they would do. They would often invoke the name of God as a seal, as like a divine witness to their promise. But, but like in our day, the problem came with their lack of follow-through. King Solomon, he said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5. He said, it is better not to vow than to make a vow and not to fulfill it. It's better not to even say you're going to do it if you can't follow through with it. You've probably heard people talk about the credibility gap, the gap between what a person says on one hand <clears throat> and what is actually true. Credibility gap. You said this, you said you would deliver that, but... Oh, but this is, this is really, this is really what, what came through. Maybe for some of you, you can think of a time when this is really applied to your life. Maybe you grew up in a, a split home and, and you lived with one parent, but your other parent would often do this. They would say, on Friday, I will be there to pick you up. And we're going to spend the whole weekend together. And, and here's what we're going to do. And we're going to do this and that. And, and you kind of got your expectations up. And then they didn't show and you can still remember that. You can still picture yourself standing by the window and just going, I don't think they're going to come. You remember that. For others, you've lived with a spouse that has had a hard time keeping their word. Or maybe you've had a business partner or a boss that has promised one thing. They've put out lofty uh, expectations, maybe lofty promises even, but they have not followed through with those things at all. Look with me at Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Jesus says this. Again, you have heard that it was said to, to the people long ago. And <clears throat> now this, know this, this is the fourth of, of, of six times where Jesus opens up a topic by saying that statement. You have heard that it was said. And then what Jesus does is he introduces a new topic. But what he's doing is this. Jesus, every time he says that he is just drilling a little bit deeper and he's pointing out he's taking these people he's saying hey you've heard that it was said this but I want you to make sure you're understanding the real issue so Jesus goes right to the root issue and as we saw last week Jesus isn't interested in frivolous things Jesus is interested in the heart and so as he talks about our words Jesus goes straight to the heart verse 33 you have heard that it was said long ago do not break your oath but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord now, there were several different places, there are several different places throughout the scriptures where this practice of oaths can be found. Let me just read a few of them to you. 
<clears throat> this is from Leviticus chapter 19. It says, do not swear falsely by my name or profane the name of God. Exodus chapter 30 verse 2, Moses is speaking and Moses is speaking to the 12 tribes of Israel and he's giving them God's commands and, and he says to them, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his words, but must do everything he said. In Exodus chapter 22, the Lord says, I swear by myself. I mean, that's how much he was putting on the line. I swear by myself. And then what does he do? He makes an oath to Abraham. And in talking about that oath, we see in Hebrews 6, it says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs, to his recipients, of what was promised, it says, he confirmed it with an oath. The Old Testament, we see Jonathan. There was a lot going on between Jonathan and David and, and Jonathan's dad. And, and so in the midst of Jonathan's friendship with David, what does he do? He, said, he makes an oath. And what was he doing? He was confirming his loyalty to David. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul makes an oath. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9, it says, he writes, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness. The problem wasn't necessarily the oaths. It was that people weren't keeping them. They were, in a sense, abusing the system. They were simply doing this. They were lofting out empty promises in order to get things that they just wanted. Did you ever have this conversation as a child? One child says to the other, Do you give your word? Do you swear you're going to do it? Do you, I mean, do you swear? Do you swear on this Bible? Do, do you swear on a stack of Bibles? person says, yeah, I, I, swear, on my, I swear on my grandma's grave. Do, do you swear to God? Yeah, I swear. I cross my heart. I hope to die. I'll look the devil in the eye. Now, well, what were we doing when we were having those kinds of conversations? What were we doing? We were adding weight to our words. We were trying to get someone to believe us, to believe what we were saying. We were trying to make our words more impactful. In Jewish culture, you could make an oath. You could make an oath to someone. You could say, I promise that I will do this. I promise that I will be there for you. But beyond that, you could take your oath, and in a sense, you could put an asterisk by it and above it, and, and it would be like this. It was like you were saying more. It was like saying, well, I'm not just going to do that, but no, 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 it's, my word is backed up by something. It's a special oath. This is something that's important to me, something that's sacred. Oftentimes, it was God himself. A scholar, Dallas Willard, he put it like this. He said, Jesus goes right to the heart of why people swear oaths. He knew that they do it to impress others with their sincerity and reliability and thus gain acceptance of what they are saying and what they want. It is a method of getting their way. Swearing or the song and dance in general does not respect those upon whom it is directed. Hence, let your affirmation just be an affirmation, a yes, and a denial be just a denial, a no. Anything more than this comes from evil. The evil intent to get one's way by verbal manipulation of the thoughts and the choices of others. This summarizes it very well. Let's keep going. Matthew, Matthew 5. Look with me at verse 34. Know that the people of Israel, not only were they in, in the practice of taking oaths, but 
They also got in the practice of taking oaths where they didn't invoke the name of God. And so instead of saying God's name, they would say something that was less meaningful, less important, less really in their mind maybe threatening to them. And so they would tack on these things, and here's why. They didn't want to be responsible for the promises they were making. They wanted to have an easy way out. And Jesus goes straight to the point on them. Verse 34, but I tell you, he writes, he says, do not swear at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. This was before Just for Men, the product came out, I think, but... But, but know this, Jesus starts and, and he says, he starts clear up here at this level. He says, you don't swear by God's throne. Uh, don't swear by the earth. And don't swear by a city in the earth, by Jerusalem. And he just keeps going down the list right, out, right to their head. And what he's saying is this, God is over everything. And so there's no promise that you can make that doesn't have some punch to it. He's saying, don't make an oath. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 16 All the way through verse 22, Jesus confronts this very same idea yet again. Let me read this to you. Jesus is talking to this group of people called the Pharisees, and they're trying to get out of the things, their promises that they've made. He says, woe to you, blind guides. Not real affirming, is it? Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. See, the Pharisees were playing games with God. They were playing games. They were trying to get around the fact that they needed to be responsible for their words. You can think of it like this. Have you ever been talking to a child and and they're telling you something and all of a sudden you see their arm go like this around their back? I mean, it's not rocket science, you know? And and so they keep talking and then they go, ha, ha, ha. Just kidding, I have my fingers crossed, you know? That's kind of what the Pharisees were doing here. They were creating, in a sense, a way for them to be able to get out of what they were saying. But the bottom line that Jesus goes to is this. He's saying, your words matter. And so speak truthfully, have integrity. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what you say has weight. Not because of what you swear to, no, 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 no. But because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's a weighty realization, isn't it? Very weighty. Students, let me ask you a question. If your parents ask you, is your room clean? And you reply, yes, it is. Do they have any reason to walk past your room and take a second look? Or is your word good enough? When you're at school and and you look to your right and see Sally and she's really smart and you see Billy to your left and he's not as smart and and you decide, wow, you're taking a test, I'm going to look at Sally's paper. Do you do that? Do you lack integrity? Do you cheat? Well, when someone asks you, did did you do your best? 
Are you truthful? When, when, when your parent maybe says to you, hey, what did you do at so-and-so's house? Hey, hey where, 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 where were you last night? Did you have a good time? Do you tell the truth? Are you truthful? Be a young person of integrity. I'm telling you, what a gem that is. Uh, adults, when you say, yeah, I'll return your call, do you return the call? Do you call back? When you say, I'll be praying for you, do you really pray? Husbands, wives, when you say, our marriage relationship is second only to, to my relationship with God, do you, do I, do our actions support that statement? I was talking to a friend of mine this week in the banking industry, and, and I asked him, he works in the, that industry, and I asked him, I said, I said, hey, how does this topic, how does this topic play out in your world? And, and he told me about this guy. He said, this guy is 81 years old, a customer. He's been a customer for years. And he said, when this guy says he does, and he says he has a track record that's just built on that, what he says he does, he follows through. There are no surprises with this guy. And he said, unlike most, when we make a deal with him, we shake hands and he signs paperwork later because he can be trusted. He said, his word is solid. I was talking to a guy in the community a few weeks ago and I, I knew a guy from Brookside in, in, in his field of work. And so I said to him, I said, hey, do, do you know so-and-so? And, and he said, yeah, I know him, got all excited. And he said, I've known him for years. He said he's the best guy in the state at what he does. I refer people to him all the time. And it was evident. I mean, this guy with no one watching, he's built a, a really a legacy over time of integrity. What he says, he delivers on. He's an honest guy. Haddon Robinson put it like this. Jesus wasn't addressing whether or not we should take an oath. He was talking about whether or not we are truthful. We don't tell the truth because we have taken an oath. We tell the truth because we are truthful. It's very simple. Think about it. Our integrity, our integrity is built on the foundation of our words. And so what we say speaks huge about our integrity. Do we, do we follow through? Let me ask you a question. I mean, how is, as a church, how as a people do we become, become the kind of people that it's always said of us, yeah, he, he does what he says. She's a, oh, she said that? She'll do it. You can count on it. How do we be kind, become the kind of people that we say what we mean, but we mean what we say? Let's look at the final words of Jesus. Look with me at verse 37. Very simple. And he says that, verse 37, the very first word. It's like Jesus kind of just clears the ground a little bit and he says, hey, simply. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Notice what Jesus does. He, he really takes all the drama out, doesn't he? He takes any of the complication that we might think of. He takes that out, right out of the discussion and he just says, hey, just do what you say. That's all I got. Just do what you say. If you sign up, show up. If you say you're going to pay, pay. Pay the right amount and pay on time. If you're a Christian... Be the same person at work, at home, and at church. If you say, I'll pray for you, really pray. If you're sharing your faith with one person, make sure that you're not lying to the person next to you on the other side of the cube. One pastor put it like this, God's people are to be the pillar of society, the foundations of society, because they are good to their 
word. James, the younger brother of Jesus, put it like this. He said, this, again, he just, he just quotes Jesus, makes it real easy. He says, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven, not by earth, not by anything else. And then he just repeats the words of Jesus, and he says, simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. This week I heard a, a, a true story that took place, it was an incident that took place uh, Years ago in Toronto, California, or Toronto, California, Toronto, Canada, rather. But this happened sometime uh, in the 1950s or 60s. And, and at the time in Toronto, there had been really a, a, a rash of mechanics that were overcharging people in the city. Now, if you're anything like me, when I take my car to the mechanic, I'm at their mercy. I know what tires look like. And, and I, I open the hood, though, and I can help jump the car, and I can do a few things, but... Uh, beyond that, I'm, I'm at the, you know, it's kind of like this mechanic's got a blank check with me. I'm at their mercy. And so people were being taken advantage of. And so there was this writer of the paper in Toronto. He began to go around to different mechanic shops. And he knew a little bit about cars. And, and so he just unplugged one of the, the wires from the spark plugs. Just one of them. And so it made the car, just the engine run kind of rough. You know, it just didn't, sounded uneven. But he knew. He knew, oh, it's just that wire. All I got to do is just pop. Put that thing right back on. And so he goes to these different shops and people, sure enough, began to charge him some up to $200 just to put the wire back on, just because they could. And then he went to one mechanic and the guy opened the hood and said, kind of looked at it, listened to it. He said, oh, it's right here. He said, don't you see this? I mean, you just got this wire. Your wire just came loose. Let me just put that back on for you. And the man said, the the writer said, well, what's it going to cost me? And the guy said, well, I can't charge you. You saw what I did. I just put that wire right back on there. It's no, no big deal. Uh, just had a loose wire. And the man said, no, 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 no. What are you going to charge me? He said, and he just explained the story. He said, I've been charged up to $200. He said, I'm going around just kind of checking the honesty of folks. And, and he said, I, I, want, I want to ask you a question. Why? Oh, why aren't you going to charge me? And the man said this. He said, I haven't always been. He said, but I've become a Christian. And he said, Jesus Christ has changed my life. And he said, his word is true. And he said, so whatever I do, I try to glorify him. He said, this shop, he said, this shop is my pulpit. He said, as I do the work, I try to do the work as though I'm doing it unto the Lord. So I can't take your money. All I did was put the wire on. It wouldn't be right. So this writer, this man goes back home and the next Next day, the paper reads, the mechanic's name was Fred. It says on the front page of the Toronto paper, it says, Fred the mechanic, Christian, reliable, good to his word. Dr. Haddon Robinson, who told this story, he made this statement. He said, of all the pastors, all the teachers, all the evangelists, and all the teachers of religion that day in Canada did not accomplish in that day what Fred the mechanic did Because he was faithful in the issue of a small spark plug wire. Are you true to your word? Would people say of you, would they say of me, yeah, they do what they say. Jesus would say to his people, he would say, you need to be. Now the reality is that most oftentimes you won't be noticed for it. Most oftentimes you won't get, make the paper, you won't be praised for it. But let me just encourage you with this. I thought about this, this this week. And when my kids do something, like when, particularly when my older kids like, are nice to the younger ones, I, I, I applaud them. I look at them and I go, I'm so proud of you. 
Think about this for a second. God always knows what you do. He always knows what I do. And so when you do the right thing, when no one else is looking, another definition of integrity, know this, God sees that. And God looks down and goes, I'm proud of you. I see, that. I see what you're doing in secret, which you'll probably never be praised for publicly. I see that, and, and I'm proud of you. That doesn't go unnoticed. And know this, if, if you've got places in your life where you would say your words don't match your actions, make those places right. Have those conversations. Ask for forgiveness. As my son and I walked to school on Monday, I, I had to ask for his forgiveness for my words. I told him, I said, I need Jesus. He was like, amen, you do, yeah. I said, I need his grace. I said, I need Jesus' forgiveness. And I said, Aiden, I am so glad that I can go to the cross and I can receive forgiveness through my faith in Jesus Christ because of what he's done for me. Know this, if you're in this place and you would say, wow, my words have not matched my actions, solution, run to the cross. That's the gospel. I mean, that's the message of this book. Run to the cross. The last thing I want to encourage you with this morning is this. You know, as we talk about this a lot as a church and we challenge Brooksiders all the time to be bold in sharing their faith. And, and the reason why we do that is because we really believe that the message of this book is for everyone. We don't believe anybody's excluded. And so, and, and so we believe that everyone's life would be better if they experienced the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so as a church, oftentimes we'll, we'll challenge you, we'll challenge ourselves to, to be sharing, to be bold with our faith. And for some of you, that every time we do that, it just makes you feel a little bit uneasy. For others of you, you just love it. You eat it up. You're a rock star at it. You're bold with your customers, with your coworkers. But whether you're really great at that or whether it's a, a real big challenge for you, know this. Every person in this room can, I don't know if I should say easily, every person in this room can choose to live with integrity. And know this, think about this, think about the impact that that could have. Not if you got up tomorrow morning and you said, you know what, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try to do the right thing. But instead if you said, you know, God, I need you. God, I run to you. God, my heart by nature does the wrong thing. Mine does. But I go to you, Lord, and I say, Lord, I need you today. Help me to speak words that are truthful. Lord, help me not to make stuff up. Lord, help me not to exaggerate. Lord, help me to be honest. Help me to be trustworthy. Help me to be the kind of person that it would be said of me, wow, they have integrity. Ooh, when they say something, their words, whoa, they really mean them. I mean, why might we be a church that it would be said of us, oh, you're a Brooksider. Yeah, you know what? I work with her. She goes to Brookside too. Man, she's different. Man, he, he, he really means it. He doesn't cut corners. When he's on the job, he's like really on the job. Might we be the kind of people that it would be said of us, church, wow, we've got integrity. We're the kind of people that we would say, yeah, our words, what are they doing? They're laying a foundation for our integrity. I don't know about you, but I need God's help with this. And um, so let's do this. Let's go to the Lord now and, and let's just pray. And let's again ask this good God for his help. So would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you again for your strong words that you spoke. I mean, I think about that crowd of people, a crowd that was much like this crowd, a crowd that had the same struggles, the same joys. But at the end of the day, their words were really heavy. Their words really mattered. So, Lord, we want to be the kind of people that what we say we really do. 
And Lord, to think of the reality that if, if we are a follower of Christ, that means that we bear the name of Jesus. And so our words are more weighty because they are, in a sense, representative of you. And so, God, we beg you for mercy. We want to be the kind of people that what we say we really do. Lord, I think of the students who are here today and, and the struggles that they, and kind of the, the area of tension that they live. And I would just pray you would help them. You would give them a vision of being the kind of people that when they show up to work, when they show up to school, they do the best job they possibly can. They live with integrity. Lord, I pray for all of us in the workplace. I pray that we wouldn't cut corners. I pray that Brooksiders would be different, that because we bear the name of Jesus, Lord, we would live differently. So help us, Lord. Help us at school, at work. Lord, help us at home. Help us to honor you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.